morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Matthew chapter number 8. The book of Matthew chapter number 8. We're going to begin reading with verse number uh, 23. Going to read down and include verse 27. Matthew chapter number 8 began reading with verse number 23. We are reading from the uh, uh, King James, the New King James Version this morning. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? I want to look at verse 23 again. It says that when Jesus got into a boat, notice the next phrase, His disciples followed him. This morning I want to talk about a few myths of following Jesus. Myths of following Jesus. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, the incredible opportunity that we have to know you, to know you in a personal way. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can walk with you, we can talk with you, we can fellowship with you. I thank you that you are a personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I just pray your anointing to rest upon the message, the messenger, Lord, today. Give us ears to hear the word. Father, may we uh, leave here and put into practice what we receive, all for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, I've discovered that there are many myths and misconceptions about our relationship with Jesus. And I want to talk about four of these myths today. All four of these myths are refuted in this story recorded in our text today. The first myth that I want to talk about or first misconception about following Jesus is this. That life with Jesus will always be easy. That life with Jesus will always be easy. You see, the myth is that, that, that once you become a Christian, that all of your troubles are now over. That at your new birth experience in Christ, that, that, that your life magically becomes the storybook life, that, that that begins with once upon a time and ends with, and they lived happily ever after. Truth of the matter is, this is a myth. And people who believe this are myth-staken. Verse 24 says, and suddenly, say suddenly, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. What? What? How could this, how could this happen? Jesus, Jesus is with them in the boat. The storm cannot arise in their life if Jesus is with them, can it? Yes, I'm afraid it can. And friend, if somebody has told you that life with Jesus will always be easy, if someone has told you that once you are saved, all of your troubles will now be over, let me tell you, friend, that person is either lying to you or they're living in la-la land. 
1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that are going to try you. Oh, as if something strange or out of the ordinary has happened to you. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 and 9 says, We are are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Oh, we are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. No, my friends, life with Jesus will not always be easy. Giving your life over to Christ and becoming one of his followers is not a guarantee of a life of ease. And it does not guarantee you health and wealth and pain-free living. And Jesus is not some kind of a glorified Santa Claus handing out gifts and toys to everyone who is good. Being a Christian does not automatically insulate you from the bumps and the bruises of life that knock on the door of every single person. And friend, being a Christian does not guarantee you that you will not have to battle sickness or it will not guarantee you that your spouse will not walk out on you. It will not guarantee you that you'll have no financial problems. It will not guarantee you that your kids will all turn out to be fine, upstanding citizens, pillars of the community. The disciples followed Jesus in our text and the Bible says that immediately Immediately upon following him, they found themselves in a terrible storm and their boat covered in waves. It would seem that they would have been better off if they had not followed Jesus, at least momentarily. It seems on the surface that if they had stayed on the land and if they had not followed Jesus into the boat and out onto the water, it seems, at least on the surface, that they would have been safer if they had not followed Jesus, at least for the moment. Truth of the matter this morning is life with Jesus isn't always easy. Life with Jesus doesn't always seem safe. Life with Jesus will sometimes take you into dangerous and scary and rough water. Simply a myth this morning to believe that life with Jesus will always be easy. Another myth that is refuted in this story is this. That he will always see things the way we see things. That's a myth. That Jesus will always see things the way we see things. Verse 25, then his disciples came to him and they woke him up and they said, Lord, save us. Lord, we are perishing. The disciples see this situation as a life-threatening situation. Jesus doesn't see it that way at all. Fact of the matter is he is so unconcerned that he sleeps right through the situation. And so it is with you and so it is with me many, many times. Oh, we are worried sick. Oh, we are walking the floor at night. We are wringing our hands. We are so troubled that we cannot eat and we cannot sleep. Oh, we see things as out of control. We see things as too far gone. We see it as beyond repair. And we try to get God to worry with us. 
And we wonder why God isn't in a panic like we are. Friend, it's a myth to believe that he's going to see things the way we see things. Let me remind you of a verse we quote quite a bit around here. It's one of my life verses. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. God says, hey guys, my thoughts are not not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. And God says, hey, as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Truth of the matter is, this morning, the human eye can never see what God sees. Let me tell you something this morning. I want you to get this this morning. If you don't get anything else, well, shame on you because i got other things for you to get this morning. But I want to make sure that you get this this morning, and this is it. And that is that there is always more going on around us than we're aware of. Always more going going on around us than we're aware of. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the human eye saw, oh, that the people of God were outnumbered by their enemy and they are wringing their hands and they're saying to the prophet, what in the world are we going to do? We are so outnumbered. But in verses 15 through 17, God, oh, let them see not with natural eyes, not with human eyes, but God, let them see with spiritual eyes. And when they began to see with spiritual eyes, what they saw in the spirit world was an army of God that was helping them that far outnumbered their enemy. Hear me this morning, friend, there is always more going on around you than you are aware of. Let me tell you this morning that the spiritual world, the spirit world, is far more real than the natural world. Just because your human eyes tell you that you are outnumbered, just because your human eyes tell you, oh, that it's ten to one, oh, that your human eyes tell you to be overwhelmed, oh, let me encourage you today, do not succumb to fear. Oh, do not allow what you see on the surface. Do not allow what you see with human eyes. Oh, do not allow how things appear to be. Don't let that overwhelm you this morning. But ask God to open your spiritual eyes. Ask God to let you look with eyes of faith. Ask him to let you see the situation the way that he sees it. I'm telling you, there is far more going on in your life and in your situation than you even are aware of. Let's look at another myth or misconception that people have about following Jesus. It's refuted in this story. That is that he will always respond the way we think he should. In verse 24, it said a storm arises. In verse 25, it says that the disciples panic. The Bible says that that, that the disciples wake Jesus up from sleep and demands he does something about their situation. But in verse 26, it says that Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. See, see, friend, they, they wanted him to respond with compassion. But instead, he responded with correction. Friend, it's a myth to believe that Jesus will always respond the way that we think he should. As I was thinking about this and contemplating this as I was putting my message together this week, I, I began to think, wow, wow, but I'm sure the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, I, I'm quite convinced she was glad Jesus didn't respond the way she thought he would. 
In John chapter 8, the scribes and the Pharisees bring a, a woman to Jesus who was guilty of adultery. The Bible says she was caught in the very act. They bring her before the Lord Jesus and they say to Jesus, the law says that she is to be stoned because of her sin. But what do you say? Talk about putting somebody on the spot. Oh, oh, can you even imagine what must be going on in the mind of this woman about now? Oh, I can imagine her thinking in her mind, I've been caught. I've been caught. I'm guilty. The penalty for my sin is stoning. One word from Jesus and my life is over. Perhaps, I don't know, but I can just see in my mind's eye, perhaps she closes her eyes. Perhaps she clenches her teeth. Oh, perhaps she, she holds her breath. Perhaps she puts her hands over her head. Oh, oh expecting at any moment the, the rocks to begin to pelt her. But Jesus didn't respond the way that she was afraid that he would. Jesus did not address the woman, but he addressed the people that were there, the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, her accusers, oh, Jesus said, hey, guys, you're right. You're absolutely right. That is what the law says. That is the, that is, uh, the penalty for someone guilty of, of adultery. And you're right. And yes, she ought to be stoned. But Jesus said, I'll tell you what. Let me put a little twist on this. Jesus said, hey, man, I see everybody's got your rock. I see everybody's ready to stone her. He said, I said, you know what? I can see Jesus saying it's the right thing to do. It's what the law says to do. And so, but I tell you what, whoever is without sin among you, let him throw the first rock. And you know the story, there wasn't one sinless there. And as I look around this wonderful congregation this morning, I just have to tell you there's still not one sinless here. This morning. There was no one innocent. There was no one without sin that had the right to throw the rock. And listen, if she were before us here today, there's not a person, including me this morning, that could throw the first rock either. And so when Jesus said, if you're without sin, you can throw the first rock. But no one was without sin. And they begin to drop their rocks one by one by one. And as they drop their rock, then they begin to walk away. Amen. And then and only then did Jesus address the woman, the guilty adulteress. And Jesus asked her, he said, Woman, <laughs> I, I can't get away with that. I've tried that on my wife before. Woman, <laughs> it doesn't work real good around my house, but it seemed to work for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said, Woman, <laughs> woman, where are your accusers? <laughs> Oh, I can see her pulling maybe her hands just enough away from her eyes so she can look around and she looks around and, and she looks around and she says, Lord, she says, I, it doesn't seem like I have any accusers. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Listen, friend, it's not necessarily a bad thing that Jesus doesn't always respond the way we think he should. Truth is, seldom. Seldom does God respond to me or my situation the way I think he should. I'm constantly telling God how I think things ought to go down. <laughs> I'm always telling God how I think things ought to go. I remember some time back I heard that somebody said, Pastor always gets what he wants. <laughs> when I was told that, I thought, really? Really? 
Truth is, I seldom get what I want. (laughs) Seldom does God say to me, Benson, wow, that's a great idea. I wish I'd have thought of that. Seldom does that does that happen. No, no. Usually, what what I hear is, is, is Benson. Are you kidding me? Uh, uh, Benson, is this really the way you want it to go down? Uh, Benson, is this the, really the way you think we ought to do this? And I ought to. I don't. I don't think so. Friend, it's a myth to to think that God always responds the way that we think He should. Oh, the three Hebrew boys: Shadrach, Meshach, and Horshach. Or no, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, oh, they no doubt wanted wanted God to get them out of the fire. But instead of God getting them out of the fire, God said, now I'm going to get you through the fire. Oh, no doubt Daniel wanted God to spare him from the lion's den. But instead of saving him from the lion's den, God said, no, Daniel, I'm going to save you in the lion's den. Friends, seldom does God respond the way we think he should. Seldom does God respond the way we think that we want him to. But friend, when all is said and done, uh, friend, when it is all over, uh, oh, when we look back, we can always say God's way was best. Amen? How many believe God's way is the best? Listen, friend, every single day I try. Don't always make it all, but every single day I try to remember to tell God, thank you. For every answered prayer. I I try to thank him for every answered prayer. I I tell him thank you for every time that he said yes to me. But then when I get through with that, I thank him for every time he said no to me. And looking back, looking back, let me tell you what I've discovered. (laughs) Looking back, I I, want to tell you the truth of the matter is. My best blessings came. <laughs> Not when God said, okay, Benson, I'll let you have your way this time. <laughs> but the best blessings I've ever received in my life were not the times when God said yes to me, but were the times when God said no to me. And God had a different route for me to take and a different plan for my life. I, I try to thank God every single day for every open door that he's led me through. But I, but I also thank him for every closed door. I can't tell you how many situations God has kept me from by closing a door. And you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. I'm here as your pastor today because God opened this door for me. Because God put someone in my life who knew someone who knew someone. God opened this door for me. But let me tell you that God had to close several doors for me in order to keep me available when this door opened. And I wasn't very happy when those doors closed on me. There was a couple doors that were very appealing and very enticing to me. In fact, one church said, Pastor, our pulpit committee, I talked to every single one of them today. And every single one of them today said, when we come tonight and have our official meeting, that we're going to call Pastor Benson from Midland, Texas. And when we got to the meeting, 
what started out, you were our man. Three hours later, we walked out of there calling another man. And we don't know why. We don't know how it happened. We're all confused. We're just blaming it on God. But if God had not closed that door, I would not have been available when he opened this door. And let me just be bluntly honest with you. I, I even tried to kick down a couple of doors. You've never done that. But God put double deadbolts on those doors. Friend, God hasn't always responded to me the way I thought he should. He hasn't always responded to me the way I wanted him to. But later, looking back, I have said, thank you, Lord. Oh, God, you really do know what's best for me. Oh, you really are looking out for my best interest. Your ways truly are best. Talking about myths of following Jesus. Friend, it's a myth to believe that, that life with Jesus is always going to turn out easy. It's a myth to think that, that he will always see things the way that we see them. It's a myth oh, to assume that he always will respond the way we think he should. And one more myth, and then we're done this morning. And the fourth myth is that, that we, will eventually, we will eventually come to understand him. That's a myth. Verse 27, the disciples marveled. They what? The disciples marveled among themselves saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now understand, friend, this wasn't the disciples' first rodeo. The disciples had been with Jesus on some other times. This wasn't the first miracle that Jesus did in front of them. This wasn't the first miracle that they had witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ performing. And yet even though they had seen him perform countless miracles in the past and yet when Jesus stood up in the boat and when Jesus looked right into the eye of the storm and when Jesus commanded the storm to cease and it obeyed him The disciples looked at each other with wonder and amazement and they began saying to one another, Who is this? Who is this? Who are we with? Oh, what is the extent of his power? What is the extent of his authority? Oh, oh, listen to me, people. Listen to me, people. God, God is a big God. I said, God is a big God. And friend, what God has done for you in the past is only a small fraction of his power. I said, what God has done for you in the past is only a small, minute little bit of a drop in the bucket of what God is able to do. I'm telling you, friend, that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or we could ever think. In Genesis 18 and 14, God asked Abraham, is anything too hard for God? Oh, Job said of God in Job 37 and verse 5, we can't even imagine the greatness of God's power. Oh, Paul said in Ephesians 3 and 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Romans 11 and 33 says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. Friend, it's a myth to believe that we can eventually come to understand 
God. Here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. About the time, about the time that I think that I have God figured out. About the time I, I, I think I know what God's going to do and how he's going to respond and how he's going to act. About the time I think I've got God figured out, uh, he throws me a curveball, low and away and in the dirt and totally surprises me. And those of you who don't know baseball don't have a clue what I just said. <laughs> Oh, oh! about the time, oh, that you think God has shown you all of his power. He does something that totally blows you away. We can have the worship team get back in place as I begin to close this morning. I want to address these four myths one more time very quickly this morning, but I, I want to make sure that we leave with a positive spin on them as we close. Number one, this morning, life without Jesus may not always be easy, but it's well worth it. The truth of the matter is there is no life outside of Jesus, only an existence. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Oh, Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life. To the full, in abundance, until it overflows. No, friend, life with Jesus may not always be easy, but it is the only life there is. Number two, this morning, although God will never see things the way that we see them, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Because we only see on the surface. We, we only see with human eyes. Oh, we only see with natural eyes. Oh, oh we only see what, 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 our, what our natural body will, and eyes will allow us to see. Oh, we need to understand again this morning, there's always much more going on around us than we are aware of. We only see with eyes of the present, but God sees past, present, and future. Thank God he doesn't see things the way we do. And number three, this morning, no, he he doesn't respond the way we think he should or want him to. He responds in a way that is best for us and that will give him glory. And number four this morning, it's foolish for us to think that that, that we will ever fully understand Him and His ways, at least in this life. We would have to be God. We would have to be equal with God to understand Him. I I don't know about you, but I'm glad God doesn't respond the way I think He should. Glad God doesn't see things the way I see them. Maybe you're here this morning and you too are going through a storm in your life. And you are no different than the disciples. You too have have cried out to God. And you too have told God the way that you think He ought to handle your situation. Perhaps you thought that serving God would guarantee you an easier life. No, storms come to every life. But the good news this morning, what I want you to go away with this morning is you're not in the storm alone. Jesus doesn't promise we'll not have storms, but he does promise to go with us 
in the storm. And you're safe this morning. Oh, you're safe this morning. You see, hear me this morning. You see, your safety isn't determined by what Jesus does or doesn't do in the storm. That's, that's not what guarantees your safety. But your safety is determined whether or not you stay in the boat with Jesus. It doesn't matter what Jesus does or what he does not do with the storm. Whether he chooses to stand and look in the eye of the storm and say, peace be still. If he chooses to get you out or not. Your safety and your security is not determined by what Jesus does Whether or not you stay in the boat, Jesus. If you'll look in the first verse of the next chapter of the Bible, says that that uh, or it's in verse 28, actually in verse 28 that we did not read earlier, it says that they made it, they made it to the other side. And friend. make it to the other side if you just stay in the boat the only real danger the disciples were really in was if they had jumped out of the boat as long as they stayed in the boat severe the storm is, the trial, whatever it is you're going through today, no matter how bad and how serious and cold, no matter what the situation is today, that you're safe and you're secure as long as you stay in the boat of Jesus. Jump out of the boat and you're on your own. Stay in the boat your faith, your trust, your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how severe the storm all said and done. Whether he gets you out or he gets you through. It's all said and done. Stay in the love with Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord today. I don't know what's going on in the heart and the life of people I know of you because I... I know their situation, but most I, I don't know. And, and most of us come in here with our Sunday morning smile and our cliche and of how good things are in our life. And yet many I understand and know more there. Wow, they're really going through it. I just pray today that you'll help us just to get a get a new grip on the boat this morning. Just get a new grip on the boat this morning. And just hold on. Let us get a good grip on you this morning and hold on to you. You'll see us through. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. I wonder how many in this room, nobody looking about, but you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm going through this.